And so, why don't you welcome with me, um, Reverend Mrs. Clara Alemi Akpame. Let me unmute her. Put your hands together as you welcome her. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, ma, for the privilege of speaking tonight. We so much appreciate you, daddy and mommy, Williams, your parents indeed. We want to thank God for bringing you into our lives. I believe it was a divine connection. And uh, we truly appreciate God for linking us to you. Thanks so much for being there for us. We want to appreciate God because we can always call you at any time. And then the way you respond and then relate with us. Uh, each time I think about it, I just give thanks to God. Thank you so much. I will greatly appreciate you. You are a blessing to us. Thanks for believing in us. And thanks for the opportunity you are giving us to be a blessing to your church and to people around. We are so grateful. Thank you for this privilege of ministering to so many people. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the privilege. I'm so grateful. It's Mama, thanks so much. You blessed me so well yesterday. I mean, such teachings, you had to hear them these days. And we need more of such teachings in this generation especially. If we don't teach them, they will know it. So it is, um, I mean, I was greatly blessed. I pray that you will have more opportunities to give out this kind of teaching, especially to this present generation. I pray that God will give you such opportunities to preach more of such messages. Thank you, sir, for being there for our mommy. In fact, uh, I greatly appreciate God for the role you are playing in her life and also the role she's playing in your life. We are so grateful to God for making it possible for, for you to be there for mommy and also for mommy to be there for you. We pray that God will keep you both strong and healthy to fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus. I want to appreciate the organizers of the program. I want to appreciate all the listeners. Thank you so much for having me in your homes this evening. From Nigeria, it is this evening. Thanks so much. I appreciate you all. I pray that God will minister to you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You won't just hear me, you will hear God speak to you tonight in the name of Jesus. I want us to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this privilege you've given me to talk to your children. I pray, Lord, that you speak through me. I pray, Lord, that you use me as an instrument in your hands to address issues in the lives of your people and also to instruct your children accordingly. Thank you, Father, because there are people you've you've prepared to be instructed tonight. There are people you desire to encourage tonight. I pray, Lord, that you fulfill the purpose for which you have organized this meeting. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us. 
Thank you for using me as your mouthpiece. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. Um, the topic for this evening is um, uh, equipping ministers' wives, female leaders, on how to effectively play their roles in ministry, community, and in the world at large. You know, you, you, you go to the Bible, you won't really see where it is written, how the roles of ministers' wives, you know, some of us got married to our husbands, and uh, we were novice, we didn't know what to do. We make a lot of, we made so many mistakes, we learned from our mistakes, we learned from our predecessors, we learned from other women, we ask questions, and uh, you know, we just keep learning. If there is no Bible school you go to, where you'll be taught your roles as a pastor's wife. We find many pastor's wives today get so discouraged along the way because of the experiences they go through. Nobody told them they would go through such experiences. And so when they meet up with certain experiences, some of them just give up and think, well, it's like I can't be a pastor's wife. I've had several counseling, so many pastor's wife asking questions, a lot of questions. You know, when we started... We didn't have so many books to read. It's not like today you can go into internet, you can get information from social media. There are several books written, you know, in my own days, not too many books written. So we learned from our mistakes and then we called senior ministers' wives and asked them questions. And then some of us, our anxieties were laid when we asked questions. So, there are many more ministers' wives like that who, who think uh, they may not really succeed because they probably they think they are not playing the roles they should play. And because such roles are not really spelled out in the Bible, you don't really know what should I be doing. So many ministers' wives ask such questions. What should I be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? And then we have several people like that until... When they are told what to do, they don't really know what to do. So ministers' wives are actually women that are married to ministers. Some of us never knew we were going to be pastor's wives. When I married my husband, he was a medical doctor working in the teaching hospital. He was a man of God. You know, he was holding programs all around. And then we didn't know we were going to pastor any church. And when we started the church, I was just, <laughs> it was like uh, no, nobody told me what I, sh I should be expecting. And so many things, I, 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 so many experiences I went through, I had to go through them. Some of them were not palatable, some of them were painful, some of them uh, I, I, I just had to endure. And I want to thank God because, you know, ministry is in phases. When you go through a phase, the next phase might be better, and then you learn from your past mistakes, and then you keep improving. And with time, you now realize that you, you're already a mentor because several more women will be coming to ask questions because they just see that you have, uh, you have passed through the stage 
they are going through. And so you discover that you're already a mentor. So we pass through a lot of um, challenges that even some of them our husbands don't even know about. We just keep going and going and going and thank God that we are succeeding by the grace of God. God's grace has been sufficient for us. So we really thank God for God's calling upon our lives. So pastors' wives are women that are married to pastors, or ministers' wives are women married to ministers. And then we have female leaders. We have those who have calling upon their lives. God called them to perform specific role in the body of Christ. We have those who, you know, who have calling to work maybe in the community, and uh, God is using them to affect lives. God is making their lives uh, impactful. So uh, it depends on what God has called you to be. So uh, we realize that uh, pastors' wives relate differently based on their personalities, based on God's calling upon their lives, and also based on the opportunities given to them to function in the ministry. You know, uh, some of us are introverts, extroverts, so based on our personality, you know, our personality sort of uh, dictates what we eventually do. If you are an introvert, you want to hide somewhere, you don't want to be seen, you don't want to, you know, you just keep hiding away from responsibilities. And uh, there are so many pastors wives like that who just want to be behind the scene. They don't want to be seen at all. So what they do is on, you know, the personality. And there are some extroverts that, you know, they're always, you always see them, they're always there wanting to do one thing or the other. They want to be seen, they want to be noticed, they want to be seen that they are impactful. So such women, they have opportunity to do so much. And they, we have some other uh, women that they are, you know, the impact they make is determined by the opportunity given to them by their husbands. There are so many gifted women today who are pastors' wives, but, you know, they don't have opportunities to express their gifts because their husbands did not give them such opportunities. Their husband would prefer them just take care of my children, that's all. Take care of my children, take care of the home, and so that's all they do. So they were not given opportunities. But when such women are given opportunities and they are allowed to express their kids, they become very useful in the hands of God. So the involvement of pastors' wives are based on, you know, their personality, their calling, God's calling upon their lives based on the opportunities given to them by their husbands. So if their husbands do not permit them to function, they really cannot function. We have issues in some ministers' homes today because the woman believes she has a calling and she must function. And here you find a man who doesn't believe the woman should be at the forefront or the woman should really uh, express her gift. And so that's where we have problems in ministry, where the woman will say she has her own ministry the husband will have I've seen a situation that like that. The woman will go and start her ministry. The man will have his own ministry. And they are all working, you know, for the same kingdom of God, which uh, shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It's always 
advisable that before you marry, that is, if you are not yet married, these are things you discuss. You discuss about ministry. You should be able to relate your giftings, how your wife will come into your, will come in to help you because we are really helpers. We are not called to compete with our husbands. We are called to complement our husbands to help them fulfill their calling upon their lives. So, uh, and the roles we play are quite demanding. You know, the, the, the business in the home is, is even enough for a woman. The, the, the house choice, you know, the work you do in the home, the keeping of the home, because women are homekeepers. You have to keep the home clean. You have to cook your meals. You have to do so many things in the home. And it's quite demanding. That's enough work that God expects us to be committed. God expects us to be faithful in our homes. God expects us to be there for our husbands. Because we are made to understand that we are made for them. You know, a woman is made for her husband, not the husband for the woman. So we are to make the home comfortable for our husbands. And, uh, and, and also, uh, the roles we play in the church or in our homes depends on the grace of God upon us. You know, God's grace upon each pastor's wife is different. So if you discover God's grace, the grace that God has released upon you to function, is better you function based on God's grace upon your life. And uh, we should also note that whatever we do as ministers, wives, or women in ministry, whatever we do in the church and the ministry should be in line with the vision of the church. Whatever we are doing should not contradict what our husbands are called to do. And this is why it's usually profitable for a husband to discover the gift of his wife and see what he can do, you know, to... To, 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 to see what he can do to ensure that he encourages her, you know, to fulfill her gifts within his ministry. Within his ministry, he can make room for her to fulfill her calling. I'll be reading from uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. For she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. So when you play your role as a wife, you play your role as a pastor's wife, a minister's wife, woman in ministry, you play your role very well in the home. You are a virtuous woman, and the Bible says you are a crown. You are a crown to your husband. A crown is an emblem of honor. It means you bring honor, you attract honor to your husband if you play your role well. You, you, you make him proud of you, you know. You make him proud of you, you give him joy, you give him fulfillment. And you make, you know, environment, the, the environment of the home conducive for him to do ministry. You know, some weeks ago I met a pastor who was having problem with his wife for several years, and they invited me to, you know, for counseling, and I spent some weeks to counsel them. Uh, that was about two years ago, 
for some few weeks ago, I I saw him and I was asking, oh, Pastor, how is your wife? He said, he said, Mommy, don't you see that my tummy is coming out? That that is a sign that I have rest, I have peace of mind. Things have changed. I have peace of mind. Ministry is going on well now. So you can see when a man is happy in his soul, when you play your role in the home and your husband is comfortable, your husband is peaceful, you know, in fact, a peaceful home gives room for to receive revelations from God because nothing is troubling you, nothing is disturbing you. So he was so happy, he was so grateful to God that I came in and that I was able to help them out. So when a man is, is happy, you know, it's like you are a crown over his head. You, you have brought him joy. You have brought him fulfillment. I mean, that is, if you play that role very well, I tell you, God will be happy with you. You bring joy to your husband. You make him have a sense of fulfillment. That is a great role you are playing. The other part of the scripture says, But she that maketh a she is as rottenness in his bones. That is to say, if you are not playing your role well, and he's not happy, he's always sad. Each time he thinks about you, he's sad. Each time he thinks about, you know, the role you are playing in his life negatively, he, he just feels so disappointed. The Bible says you are like rottenness in his bones. You are like cancer. So what do you do with a, 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 a limb that is cancerous? What do you do? You amputate it. You so that feeling of let her get out of my life, let her just get out of my life. That feeling will be there when you play your role well, and uh, as a wife, play your role well as a wife. Your husband will enjoy ministry. So you want to ask, what what are those roles? What what am I expected to be doing? As a pastor's wife, what should I really do? This, I, this is the question that so many pastor's wives ask. Number one, I will say, for you to be able to play any role effectively, you must have a personal devotion to God. Your life with God must you know, be worked upon. You must, you must be committed to your relationship with God. You must go deeper with God. You must spend time in God's presence. You must spend time to read and study, meditate on the Word of God. You know, there's this uh, quote that says, um, uh, my husband says, the deeper you go in God, the farther you go with men. The deeper you go with God, the farther you go with men. So if you, if you spend time you know, on God's word, spend time meditating on the scriptures, spend time praying, you know, you will impact more lives. So the deeper you go with God, your capacity for an impactful life enlarges. Your capacity for an impactful life enlarges when you spend more time with God. You know, you just discover that there are certain gifts in your life that will just begin to manifest would begin to express themselves because of the time you spend in God's presence. And so you, your life becomes rich. 
you become more impactful. You, are, you, you become a blessing to people around you. So the deeper you go with God, the grace for effectiveness increases. The grace for effectiveness increases when you spend more time with God, when you have personal prayer time. Sometimes we get so busy that it's like you don't really have the time. But, you know, communication with God is not until when the time is there. You can always communicate with God. You can always spend time in God's presence. Though it is important that you make special time for God. But, you know, prayer can be anywhere. You can be in the kitchen, sweet woman, sometimes you spend hours cooking. You know, you can be listening to Bible, you know, on cassette. Even your hands from the onset. Audio Bible can be playing and you are feeding your spirit. You can be in the kitchen, you are praying in tongues. You can be there for hours. And then before you leave the kitchen, you already, you know, you are charged in the spirit. So you can always, there will always be time for prayer and communion with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait until you make that time. Because some of us can be really, really very busy. And by the end of the day, you just feel so tired. When it's time to pray, you, you, some of us, you know, sleep off while praying. But you know, you can really charge yourself in the Spirit as you make time with God, even in your kitchen. In your toilet, you are speaking in tongues. You are listening to messages. You know, you charge yourself all through the day. You are in the car, you are listening to messages or even your songs, playing, singing music, praising God, worshipping Him. You can be in the Spirit. You know, you wonder the Bible says we should pray without ceasing. That's what, that's what it means, pray without ceasing. Sometimes you ask, is it possible to pray without ceasing? It's possible because... You can always be in the Spirit, if you want to be in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So make time with God. That is very, very important. Without time with God, you can really not go far. You know, many pastors' wives that don't make time with God, you know, they don't have much to give. And also, when you make time for God, you discover that uh, the Word of God that is lively and active will express Himself through you. And you now begin to see yourself becoming more active, becoming more relevant to your, the society. And people will keep looking for you, looking out for you, because they know you have the substance. They know you have what will help them out. And so if you don't make time with God, you will, you know, you will not go deep, and then you don't have much to give, and people don't have what to get from you when they come to you. So time with God is very, very important if you must be effective in ministry. Time with God is important if you must be successful in your ministry. If you must be led to do exploit for God, time with God is very, very vital. And also the word of God in you, the word you have stored in your heart will find expression in you. And you realize that you become a living example, a living epistle to people around you, to people in the church. They see you, you are a living example. And when you, you, you are able to make time with God, you should also, uh, you know, educate yourself, try to educate yourself. Not just the time with God and Bible, 
educate yourself by reading books. If you need to go back to school, you go back to school. You know, try to educate yourself, especially where you have several women who are educated, several women who are functioning, several women around you who are uh, who are impactful. You know, you don't you you don't want to be left behind. You need to even if you don't go back to school, there are books you can read, and uh, thank God you go to internet. Whatever information you need is there. You educate yourself so that you can be more productive. You improve on your gifts. You know, my, my husband says, if you work on your gifts, your gifts will walk you to the top. So when you work on your gifts by, you know, steering of those gifts, maybe through the books you read, the time you spend with God, you steer up the gifts, uh, and then you discover that it will take you to the top. You know, um, you become mover. You know, there are some women that wait to be moved. Yeah. There are some pastors' wives who will not do anything. You know, they are waiting to be moved by even their members. They are waiting to be moved by movers in the church. They are waiting to be told what to do. But you, when, you, when, when you educate yourself, when you spend time in God's presence, when you study and, and, and also you read books, you expose yourself, you know, to, you develop yourself, you discover that you become a mover. You, you are able to inspire other women. So what makes some women to go into hiding is because they are just ignorant. They don't know much. They have not educated themselves. They have not developed themselves. And so they allow those that have developed themselves to take the lead. And they wait to be moved. It's such women that will say, a pastor's wife, I've had several women coming to tell me that way. They are pastors where they are, they are always waiting on her to act, but she doesn't seem to be doing anything. So what should they do in such instances? I had to tell them, humble yourself and uh, carry her along. Humble yourself. Don't make her feel you know more than her. Just encourage her and see how you can carry her along. So when you don't work on yourself, you discover that people who are exposed People who are who have developed themselves who always want to take the lead. I know some years ago a woman came to me. She said, "Mommy, the church where I go to, they thought I'm even the pastor's wife because the pastor's wife is so quiet. She doesn't do anything, and it's just me. God is using to organize the women and all that. Say, no, 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 don't take glory. That she's not doing anything doesn't mean she's not doing anything. That to you, you think she's not doing anything, but at the background." She's doing much. It might just be the prayer. She's praying for her husband and the ministry. Even at the attention at home is much. So don't think she's not doing anything. Probably she has not uh, developed herself to a point where she will have confidence. Because when you don't develop yourself, that confidence will not be there to perform. So you need to develop yourself so that, you know, even that you don't even to, you don't need to struggle to show to express yourself, it will just flow naturally. Once you are developed, once you are educated, once you 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 you, you, are, you, you have worked on yourself and, uh, and and you and and you have spent time in the presence of God, I tell you, you are prepared. That confidence will be there to function. That confidence will be there to be impactful. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen. Second Timothy two fifteen says, "Be diligent to present yourself." approved you know 
to God, be diligent to present yourself approved in God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we need to work on ourselves to be approved of God. We need to work on ourselves to know the word, to be able to share the word, to be able to counsel people with God's word so that we will not be ashamed because when we are left out, when we don't function, shame will attract shame because people will talk about us. People will, you know, gossip about us when we are really not doing well. And the second point I will talk on is, um, you know, your personal development will help you to successfully relate with your husband and function well in the ministry. Your personal development will help you to successfully relate with your husband and function well in the ministry. You know, the Bible says people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When you don't have knowledge on how to relate with your husband, you don't have knowledge on what you should be doing in the home, you don't have knowledge on how to carry the woman along, you may not be able to function well. So your personal development will help you to successfully relate with your husband and also to function well in the ministry. So as you develop yourself, you understand what it means to love your husband. As you read books, as you stay in God's presence, you know how to love your husband. You know what submission means. You know, we keep reading submit, submit, submit to your husband. Not too many people understand what that word submission means. I, I'm sure we all know that the church is completely submitted. I mean, the, 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 the body of Christ, the church, is completely submitted to Christ. In all areas, in every area, the church is completely submitted to Christ. That's why you always want to, you want to know the will of God before you do anything. It's because you are completely surrendered to Christ. The church doesn't do anything without wanting to know what is God saying in this matter. And you want to do exactly what God is saying. So when a woman is to submit to her husband, it is expected that she submits completely to her husband. It takes knowledge to be able to submit. It takes knowledge. If you don't understand what submission is, you will struggle with that word submit to, to your husband. You will struggle with it. That understanding will liberate you. To, when you understand what submission is, your husband will really not struggle wanting you to submit to him because of the knowledge you have. Uh, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 8 to 9. 1 Corinthians 11, 8 to 9 says, For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was a man created for the woman, but woman for the man. I am created for my husband. So I have my responsibilities towards my husband. I will do everything possible to, to, to help him, to assist him, to support him, to encourage him. That's my primary assignment. That's your primary role as a pastor's wife. If you know that as your primary role, you know it, then you will do it. And um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, 1 Peter 3, 12 says, You wife, so, uh, you wife must accept the authority of your husband. Even those who refuse to accept the good news, your godly lives will speak to them better than any words. They will be won by watching your pure godly character. 
So like I said, your second role is towards your husband. First thing I said is your private life with God. And once your private life with, with God is, is rich, your relationship with, with your husband will also be rich. Because whatever you are doing to your husband will be by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says, we wives, we must accept the authority of our husbands. There are wives who believe, well, <laughs> I'm working, so we are husband and wife, so why should you exercise authority? If you understand the word authority, then you will find your place, occupy it, and fulfill it as one under authority. He says we should accept the authority of our husbands. That even those who refuse to accept the good news, our godly lives will speak to them better than words. So there are certain things we do that without preaching we present the gospel. Just submitting to our husbands, loving our husbands, we preach to people around us. You want to have an impactful ministry? Start it from your home. Started from your home, your 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 godly life in the home, you know, will uh, impact people in the community. They will be won by watching your godly character. It is not when neighbors, friends are coming to separate fights, counseling you how many times, and for you to relate well with your husband. Or for your husband to relate well with you. No, 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 it doesn't speak well. It's not a good example. The Bible says that just by watching your lifestyle in the home and with your husband will speak to people around. That is an impactful ministry. Ministry to your husband. Playing that submissive role. Helping him to become all he needs to be. Because you are submissive to his authority. So your primary role is to minister to your husband, make the home comfortable for him, clean the, clean the house, keep it clean, cook his meals, serve him, make him comfortable. And as you do that, you can be sure that he will reciprocate. He will do more for you. He will be so happy, be so excited. In fact, like the example I gave about this uh, pastor, he was telling me that, uh, uh, that mommy, I'm so happy now that there was a day the wife asked him for money, that he just gave his ATM uh, card to her and told her, just go and withdraw whatever you want, anything. He, she, the woman was surprised. You mean it? He said, yes. He said he was so happy that he could do anything for her, that her life had changed. He's so happy, he's so impressed about her now. So there's nothing he, he can't do for her. That's what happens when you, you play that submissive role. He was telling me that even now, can you imagine that sometimes I just think as if I'm dreaming, that my wife will come and even kneel before me and, and you know, and to me, and he will be the one to say, no, you don't have to kneel. It wasn't so before, but she just decided to change. She just decided to you know, to really submit to his authority. And everything in the home changed. Because the man now, you know, the husband responded. 
So when, when you play that submissive role, you can be sure that your husband will respond positively. So build friendship. Build friendship with your husband. Be his best friend. Don't give room for another lady, you know, to be dear. My husband is my best friend. We are always together. We do things together. We play together. We, you know, we exercise together. We do so many things. We, we move around together. You know, people always see us together. So he's my best friend. We, you know, we talk intimately. And, you know, we don't hide our feelings from each other. So the Bible says in First Peter chapter 4, verse 8, First Peter 4, verse 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. When you love each other deeply, you can forgive each other easily. There won't be room for, you know, uh, suspicion. There won't be room for, you offended me. I won't forgive you. Malice and all that. If you love each other deeply, it covers multitude of sins. So when you manifest love towards each other, it becomes easy to forgive. And uh, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 to 8, it talks about love, what love is. So when the Bible says love each other deeply, go back and check what is love. And God says, I should love my husband. My husband should love me deeply. So when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 to 8, it talks about love. Love has more to give than to receive. Love has more to give than to receive. Because of our time, we may not uh, read it. You know, Billy Graham says, nothing can bring a real sense of security into hope except true love. If you want to enjoy um, a sense of security in your home, love each other deeply. Still talking about your role to your husband. Let your husband trust you enough to commit assignment into your head. Let him trust you enough. When your husband, you know, assigns you, when he, he tells you to do something, sometimes they try us, do this, and you'll be waiting to see if you do it or not. Let him not be disappointed. Let it be that whatever he tells you to do, whatever he commits into your hands to do, let him come back and realize that you've done it. You know, he'll be able to trust you. And he'll be able to entrust you with greater responsibilities. But when he tells you to do certain things and you take it lightly, he comes back, my dear, have you done it? You say, no, 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 I've not done it. And, and another time, have you done it? No, 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 I, I will do it. And he keeps asking you different times and you are not uh, being committed to what he has assigned you. He will no longer trust you. And so when there are things to do, he will look for somebody else to do it. So uh, Proverbs chapter 31, Proverbs 31, 11 to 12 says, The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Let your husband be able to trust you. Sometimes it might be that he will not give you enough notice to prepare to preach. Short notice is part of the test. Don't say, ah, my dear, the time is too short, I cannot. Take it up. Take it up. It's a challenge. Take it up. And, and, and you know, let him see that you can actually, uh, you, you, you can perform. 
Don't always fail him. Otherwise, he will just keep you aside and look for other people who will be able to uh, perform such roles. So let's not fail our husbands. Let's not disappoint them when they assign us. Spend time to pray for your husband. Pray for him. Pray for your home. Pray for your family. Pray for his preaching engagements. Pray for the ministry when he travels. Pray for him. And uh, pray for your children. Pray for your household. And pray for the church. It's your responsibility to pray. There are certain prayers that nobody will pray except you. So don't miss such opportunities to pray. Though the, the church will pray for your husband, but there are certain prayers that it's only you that will know because you know your husband. You know his secrets, which other people don't know. So such secret issues about your husband is only you that can pray for it. It's only you that can pray for God to intervene in his life. And also, um, your ministry is embedded in his own ministry. Your ministry as a wife is embedded in his own ministry. So if you are committed and you are faithful to the assignment he gives you, and he begins to see the grace of God manifesting in your life, he will begin to make room for you. So your ministry is embedded in his own ministry, he will make room for you. And if you are a husband seated, Hearing me tonight, make room for your wife. Discover an area, area of calling and make room for her to function. You are not called to compete with him. You are called to complement him. Find out areas you can be of help to him. You understand him more than anybody. So try to discover some areas of weaknesses and see how you can come in to strengthen him and also to encourage him to become all that he can be to fulfill his ministry. Protect him from pitfalls. Protect your husband from pitfalls by praying for him. Protect him from strange women by making yourself available to him. When you create a vacuum, somebody will fill up that vacuum. So don't create any vacuum. Make room for your husband. If he's your best friend, then uh, you should be his uh, best companion. Relate with him intimately, spiritually, that is share some spiritual things together, share the scriptures together, pray together. Physically, relate with him, you sit down and talk and gist, you know, do things together. Be intimate, uh, relate with him intimately, physically, uh, emotionally, psychologically, sexually, and uh, be there for him, you know. Share ideas together, express your feelings, sexual feelings, express them, and then try to understand his love language, try to understand when he needs you. You know, we have different ways of presenting such needs. Try to understand when your husband is presenting that kind of need, and then make yourself available. You know, other members of the church can serve your husband, they can serve him food, they can even buy clothing for him. They can do so many things. But there is one thing that is only you that can, can play that role. And that is a sexual aspect of uh, your intimacy. You know, it's only you that can do that. And so give it to him. Just as people come and say, Daddy, Daddy, take this. I brought you this. Oh, Daddy, they want to please their daddy. They want to do things for their pastor. They want to please him. 
an area you can please him is that sexual relationship. Do not deny him of sex, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 to 5. And also, don't be suspicious of him. Don't be suspicious of him. Just be sensitive to his sexual needs. If you see some ladies around him, don't be suspicious. Trust your husband. Trust him and trust him and trust him. Trust him that he will not betray uh, that uh, trust you have for him. And uh, let him also know that you trust him. Then the other thing, role you can play in the life of your husband is to share with him whatever you are not comfortable about, you know, uh, which is going on in the ministry. Whatever you discover in the ministry, I mean, express your feelings to him. Discuss with him, even if even if you will not be happy, just let him know because there are certain things that no other person will tell him. There are certain wrongs that is only you that can tell him. So talk to him constructively, not uh, with criticism. No. If there's any uh, pulpit manner or remarks, any bad pulpit manner or remarks, let him know so that he can correct himself. Because it's only you that can tell him. Only you that can be bold enough to talk to him. There are certain things I will come back home and tell my husband, see, I saw you doing this. I think you need to work on it or stop doing it. And also he has told me sometimes that this thing you, you've always said, you know, don't, uh, uh, it's not okay, it's not proper. And then I take correction. So there are certain things that no other person will tell your spouse or you, and then um, you have to talk to your husband about. Then do not criticize your husband openly. Don't criticize him openly. Make your suggestions known to him. Questions, ask your questions from the house. Ask him, my dear, this board meeting we are going for, what is it all about? What is, uh, what is on your agenda? I want to know what you'll be discussing. And husbands too should open up to their wives, tell your wife what you are doing in ministry, so that she can ask questions. And then she can defend you when people keep asking questions when they don't understand what you are doing. Your wife will help you to explain to such people who want further explanations. So um, ask questions, and then when you are in the board meeting, if you are sitting beside him, if you have any question that should not be asked openly, put it write on a piece of paper and just leave it to him. Let him read to see if he, if he wants to comment on that, he will comment. If he doesn't, just keep quiet and leave him alone. You don't have to say, hey, because I've written it, he didn't comment, I must say it out. No, just leave it. That's what it means to be under authority. So, um, Ephesians chapter... 5 verse 33 says nevertheless let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband respect your husband by not criticizing him openly by not you know looking down on him openly disrespecting him in any way even in the presence of his children or even in the church show him respect that's what the bible says then um, make the house conducive for him. Stop nagging. Don't nag. <laughs> like my husband, he will not want me to repeat issues. When I I try to remind him of 
what you should do. So, but you've reminded me. So he prefers, once I say something, don't repeat it, just leave it. So me, I'll just be praying. Since he, I realize that he doesn't like repetitions, to him it may look like nagging, but to me it is like reminding him that his understanding is that it's, not, it's beyond reminder. I say, okay, if that's the case, I will not remind you. Once I tell you once, even if you don't remember, no problem. But with praying in such times when he needs to remember and he has not remembered, I will just I will not say it out but I will praise. Father remind my husband. Remind him, let him not forget. So if you know that your husband gets irritated over anything, don't keep repeating it. Don't keep repeating it so that you can enjoy peace in your home. Proverbs 31, verse 27, Proverbs 31, 27 says, She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. You watch over the ways of your household. Don't be a lazy woman. Take care of your household. Take care of your family. And the next point on your road to your husband is any opportunity he gives you, don't lose it. He tells you, my dear, you are taking Bible study this week. Also, oh, my dear, oh, please, make it another time. Don't be losing opportunities. Otherwise, you won't have that opportunity anymore. He will just push you by yourself and look for those that will accept. It is because there are many people seeking for such opportunities. So don't uh, abuse opportunities. So believe God to help you no matter how short the notice is. Believe God to help you and take it up. And you will see yourself growing from one level of grace to the other. Then keep communication on. There should be no dull moments between you and your husband. Give him attention and he will respond. Sometimes the husbands forget and just um, keep getting. They are so busy with so many things. So you are the one to engage him. Go to him. Stay with him. Talk with him. Look for what to say. And uh, keep him busy. Talk to him. You know, he will respond. He will respond. Always get his attention. Always get his attention. Then stand in the gap for your husband. Stand in the gap for him. Because... Many times our husbands hurt people. They hurt members of the church. In their dealings with people, members, they hurt them. So we need to stand in the gap. In fact, was this a few weeks ago, I saw my husband talking to somebody, you know, trying, trying to discipline the person, trying to correct the person. And deep inside of me, I was just praying. I said, God, let this, let this person not misinterpret what my husband is doing. I was just busy praying. And uh, if I was in my office praying that God let this person not misinterpret what my husband is saying, help her to understand what my husband is trying to pass across. And I was still praying when the lady entered my office. She was laughing. She said, oh, I've just gone to see daddy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've apologized. And, and the way she, you know, responded, I knew that <laughs> I was said to, it could also be my prayer that God had. So, you know, we need to pray because they offend a lot of people. And I know people also get offended by what we do. So we need to keep praying for people to understand, you know, our husbands when they, when they, when they make some statements and then, uh, so that they will not misunderstand, misunderstand some of his actions. 
then uh, I think um, I'm getting close to when I should uh, I should be over this evening. Um, so one of the things you should also do, one of the roles you should play also is um, report your husband to his father in the Lord or his mentor if there are issues about him that you are not comfortable about. There are things you've discovered about your husband and you've been talking to him, talking to him, and he's not changing, he's not uh, taking your corrections, and you think it will not be okay. If you keep quiet, it will affect him and affect the ministry. Make sure you meet his father in the Lord or his mentor. And the next point is be hospitable. Be hospitable in the home. Take care of uh, guests. So many guests will come. Take care of them, handle it. I pray that God gives us, you know, that's an area we need grace for because there are times when you are not even ready to receive visitors, that they will just come. And you just have to, you know, you just have to adapt, you just have to respond, and you just have to do something, you know. You must fulfill the scripture that says we should be hospitable. According to First Peter chapter 4, 8 to 10, says we should be hospitable without. Grumbling, I tell you, it's not easy for a pastor's wife, but that's the scripture. God will help us to fulfill that scripture. Then the next thing you can do is um, you can be inspired to play some special roles in the life of your husband. You can be inspired to play some unique roles based on his personality. You understand him, you know, the kind of person he is, the Holy Spirit can lead you to do certain things to help him. Some of them are introverts. There are things they should do. They will not be bold enough to do. And if you have that grace, you know, to come up boldly to do such things, you can help him. And as the Holy Spirit helps you, you can be led to pray, to play more roles. Then in the church, I've just taken so much time to talk about your role to your husband. In the church, in the church, uh, your mandate is to teach the younger woman what to do. That's point three. Teach the younger woman what to do in the church. That's what God has assigned us women to do. Titus chapter 2, 3 to 5. It says, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not giving too much wine, teachers of good things, that they that they admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. That's a, a, a unique role God has given us as pastors, wives, women in ministry, and um, women that are, you know, career women. God has called us the younger women to mentor those that are just coming up how to love their husbands how to love their children how to be homemakers how to behave how to be obedient to their own husbands God has given us that assignment to mentor the younger ones then what's the next role you can play in the church is to submit to the leadership and authority of the church submit to the leadership and authority of the church Walk within the vision of the ministry. Whatever uh, assignment the church gives you to fulfill, you walk within the limits of the role you've been called to play. 
And also you can um, help the women, you can disciple the women in the church, discover their gifts, and engage them. You can share them into groups where they can easily relate with uh, uh, one another. You can share them into prayer groups, visitation groups, hospitality, care of widows, orphans, and all that, and allow them to do ministry, engage them to do ministry. Then um, as you disciple them, make sure you live an exemplary life. Make sure you, you, you behave well so that they can learn good manners from you, dress decently so that they can learn how to dress decently from you. According to First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, it says we should dress modestly and also exercise self-control and uh, we should dress well, you know, and um, let our dressing be an example, something they should uh, uh, we should we should be a role model to the younger ones. Then the next thing you can do, number four, point four, is that you take permission from your husband. I think I have just a few more minutes to go. Take permission from your husband to do whatever God is leading you to do. You're under authority, so whatever idea God has given you, whatever vision you are receiving, put it down. Write down the vision, make it plain, and explain what God is leading on you. Put it on your heart to do, and then go to your husband, present it to him, take uh, permission from him, he will give you approval to do whatever God is leading you to do. It could be a ministry to the youth, it could be to the widows, it could be music department, it could be to the handicapped. Whatever it is God is leading you to do, make sure you receive um, approval from your husband. Then um, number five, I have said, um, uh, you know, whatever the church assigns you to do, do it. It could be to children's departments. It could be in administration, evangelism, you know. Try to serve, serve and train, serve, train and raise successors. Serve, train and raise successors so that if you are no more uh, playing that role at any point in time, let it be that you raise people to play such roles. Number six, be a role model to the church in your conversation attitude, relationships. My husband says that example is not the main thing in influencing others. It is the only thing. Example is the only thing in influencing others. He says the best example of leadership is leadership by example. So let's be, uh, ex- let, let's live an exemplary life. Then number seven, husbands should set a standard on how they, they want their wives and honored by church members. Husbands should set a standard on how they, uh, their wives should be respected and honored by church members. Show the church you love your wife, defend and protect her. People should treat her based on the value you have placed on her. Then finally, I'm trying to rush because of my time. I have just one more minute. Number eight, if your husband is Ministry is still young. Maintain your job. Maintain your job so that you can bring in an income into the home until there is need for you to disengage uh, from your job and face the ministry. So um, 
the, 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 the income you'll be bringing in will be of great help to the ministry and to the families. So if your husband is on full time and the ministry is not um, buoyant enough to handle your, to, to, to take care of the family, this advice, I mean, we have usually advised young ministry ministers, let your wife work so that you don't suffer. A lot of ministers are suffering today because of that. So ministers, uh, homes are suffering divorce because the wife can no longer cope with the needs in the home. So encourage your wife to work so that money can come in to help the family, to assist the ministry. But some wives will say, my husband doesn't want me to work. If your husband doesn't want you to work, it's understanding. I'm sure he's uh, strong enough to, and he's, I believe he has what it takes to take care of the family. So in conclusion, in conclusion, husbands should carry their wives along the ministry. And vice versa, as a woman, you have a ministry, carry your husband along, find out what role he can play in your ministry if you're a lady minister and then provide a peaceful atmosphere and go for everyone to enjoy peace. You hear God easily when the home is peaceful. Your prayers are answered easily when the home is peaceful. You are able to model your children when the home is peaceful. And also you are able to affect people in the church, the society, and the world at large when your home is peaceful. Second Corinthians 3 verse 2 says, Second Corinthians 3 verse 2 says, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Let's be living epistles. That people in the church will read, our community will read, the world at large will read, and will be ministered to, and then our lives will be impactful. I pray that with what I've shared tonight, somebody is blessed and you will have an impactful ministry in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to go through your word. We pray for grace to be doers of your word. We pray for an impactful ministry for most, uh, for some of our pastors' wives who do not really know, know what role they should be playing. I pray, Lord, that you reveal more of such roles to them and that what they have had tonight will be useful to them and make them more impactful in ministry. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you so much, Sir Amma, for this privilege and opportunity you've given to me. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Yes, we thank God for the life. Let's put our hands together. That is mighty expose. We thank God for the life of uh, Reverend Mrs. Akpame. I tell you, she will. She, this, this is a nugget. We are going to lift up our voices together and pray, especially from the scripture that she had read last. It says, "You yourselves are letters written on our hearts, known." And ready and read by everyone. We're going to pray that the Lord will sustain us by the power of His Spirit. Mm. 
You're saying, you're going to say, Lord, Father, sustain me by the power of your spirit. Let my life be an example yes, to be written about. Lift up your Father, voice and begin to pray. Jesus, Father, we spirit. pray in the name of Jesus. Sustain me by your spirit. Sustain us, God, by the power of Let your spirit. Let our life be an example. Let it be the example, O God, of the letter that you have written. Pray and tell God, transform my heart and my mind. Transform my heart and my mind, O God. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, enable us, Father. Enable us, Father. Let our life be like that of Christ of Nazareth. Tell the Lord, destroy everything within me that is contrary to God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let me be a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, let me be a sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Oh, Sovereign Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Let's pray for Reverend Aquam. Yeah, Reverend Clara. That the Lord will continue to refill her and strengthen her and bless her ministry and her calling. And continue to make her life a blessing to humanity. Shall we just begin to pray for her? Father, in the name of Father, we pray for your daughter. As she has given herself to us to be a blessing. Father, Lord, let your rain fall upon her. Fill this blessing, Lord. Fill her and me. Lord, strengthen her and bless her. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Bless her husband. That her life will ever be a blessing. Bless her church, oh God. Bless the family. In everything that bless the church. Oh, sorry, Lord. Thank you, Mother. Refill her with power, with knowledge, with with increase. Father, bless the works of her hands. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. May your glory never depart from her. Lord, we pray thee. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying. Amen. We're going to pray now for our nation. There is chaos in the nation. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and repent of their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. In verse thirteen, it says, "When I send famine among you and plague among you, then he said, if my people that are called by my name, we are going to pray and tell the Lord, Father, the plague that is plaguing the whole world." We rebuke in the name of Jesus. Mm. Father, destroy from the roots. <clears throat> Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Father, Send your healing power, Lord Jesus, the plague, the plague into the nations, God, into the atmosphere, and bring forth healing oh, from this plague. Father, in the name of Jesus, we destroy and curse this plague from God, the root to die. We decree that the biology the of Corona. Of, oh, uh, of the coronavirus, COVID-19, be changed completely. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We decree this that the body of man will be empowered use it to, God to, to fight God. that disease to, 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 to change in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Use this Lord, we pray thee, we pray thee, we pray thee, we pray thee, we pray thee for mercy. We pray for your mercy. 
We pray for your mercy. We pray for your mercy. Oh, sovereign Lord. Father, we pray for your mercy. We call this plague to cease in the name of Jesus. Let the healing come in this month. Spread it out before the end of this month. That your name may be exalted. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we have prayed. Amen, amen. Let us pray for the nation of Nigeria. We're going to pray that God shall arise over Nigeria and destroy everyone, spirits, that, have been, that, that Satan has sent mm. to cause disturbance and deter the destiny of that country. Mm. We're going to tell the Lord that all the machineries of Satan in the government, mm. in the church, should be dismantled. Mm. All the juggernauts of Satan be arrested wherever they may be. Lift up your voice and begin to pray. Father, we lift Nigeria up to you. Father, we Father, pray that will be done, thy like kingdom well, come, and thy will be done. In the, mighty name of in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you said the Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I punish, shall be as I propose, they will stand. We pray, O God, against all the machineries of Satan in the church, in the government, false prophet in the church, and those who are juggernauts of Satan in the government, in the politicians, among the politicians, dismantle them, O God. Arrest and destroy their power. Arrest and destroy their dominion. Let their infrastructure be dismantled. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let Satan be frustrated over Nigeria. Let the devil be destroyed over Nigeria. Let, Let his power be dismantled over Nigeria. Send your holy angel to the nation of Nigeria. Father, in the name of Jesus, frustrate everyone that works against the destiny of that country. Father, frustrate them and turn their counsel to foolishness. Pray that God will frustrate anyone, everyone, both spirits and man that are walking against the destiny of that country, that the Lord will arrest them in the name of Jesus and turn their counsel to foolishness. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, let there be peace in that nation. Let there be peace in that nation. We frustrate the plans of the enemy over the nation. We turn the counsel of Satan to foolishness. Yes, we command, O oh God, that people who have looted the country be brought to judgment. Father, we pray that you arrest them in their, and publicly expose them. In the name of Jesus, we cover back their loot back to the nation. Let us pray that God will restore the fortune of Nigeria. Like the water course of Negev. Every platform that the devil is using, every platform that false prophets are using to abuse the mind of people in Nigeria be destroyed with fire. That the Lord will arrest all false prophets and publicly shame them. That a revival will come in Nigeria. That will destroy the power of occultism. That we see many people come to the Lord Jesus. Now let's pray for revival from the north to the south. Yes, Lord. That we cut across all these their religious beliefs. An awakening in the soul of men, both in the church and in the country. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless your holy name. We exalt and magnify thee. In Jesus' anointed name we are praying. Amen, amen. Lord, I pray for everyone under my voice. 
May the Lord empower you. Amen. May the Lord arm you with strength. Amen. May the Lord give you sights to see. Amen. May the Lord give you insight. Amen. A profound knowledge to discern. Amen. Wisdom that transcends human ability. Amen. May the Lord decorate you with his unction from heaven. Amen. New, new wine and fresh oil. Receive in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the Lord pour his green upon your heart. Amen. May the Lord assign a messenger at the door of your lips. May the Lord guard your heart and mind and thoughts. May the Lord protect you in this day, in this period of falling away. Mm. Now that the Lord of lies are flying about, and Satan is deluding the world with deception, may the Lord grant you the heart of discernment to know the truth. Mm. May the Lord dismantle every manifestation of the devil around you. Amen. He said in the book of Zechariah chapter 9, He said, I will defend my city, says the Lord from verse 8. He said, I will defend you from marauding forces and from oppressive spirit. I decree every marauding force in your life to be dismantled. Every oppressive spirit to be overthrown. Because of the blood of covenant, any seed planted in your body by the devil, I cause them to die. Sickness, I cause you to die. Infirmity, I command you to be removed. I speak healing to your body. I speak healing to your head. I speak healing to your brain. I speak healing to your mind. I speak healing to your organs. I speak healing to your blood. I speak healing to your marrows. I speak healing to the cells of your body. In the name of Jesus, you are made whole. It is written, there will be none that shall say in Zion, I'm healed. For the Lord will forgive the sins of those who dwell therein. I decree as your sins have been forgiven, receive your healing. Amen. Every sickness that has a name, yes, I command in the name of Jesus, the name that swallow up every name. From this hour, lose God in the body that you are. Amen. I command your fruits in the body to die. Amen. I command the body to reject you. Amen. And I command healing of Jesus to retain in that body. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. From the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, I command all pain to disappear. Amen. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord increase you in the, in the spirit of wisdom, in the spirit of knowledge, Amen. in the spirit of understanding, Amen. the power of insight, Amen. and the fear of God. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Even as you prepare to enter the new month, it shall be a glorious month for you. Amen. I say every promise that God has made for this month, the month of restoration shall be fulfilled in your life. Amen. The Lord will repay you the years the locusts have eaten. The Lord will restore back to you what the devil has stolen. Amen. Your Jerusalem shall be inhabited. Amen. Your Judah shall be rebuilt. Amen. Everything the devil has destroyed in your life, the Lord will restore them back. Mm. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. Yes, in the name of the Lord of hosts, Amen. the glory of heaven will surround you. Amen. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Amen. And may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. Amen. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. Amen. May He send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Amen. May He remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings from you. May the Lord give you the, the, all the desires of your heart. And may He grant success to all your plans. Amen. May the Lord give you resources to fulfill the mandate of heaven. 
and to fulfill your plans on earth to be successful. In the name of Jesus, we will shout for joy when we are victorious and we lift up the banner in the name of our God. May the God of Bethel, who appeared unto Abraham and made covenant with him, and he appeared unto Isaac and confounded with an oath and fulfilled it in Jacob and in you and I. May he open the book of remembrance and look at all your requests from January. Everything you have been seeking from God and they have been delayed or hindered. I ask that heaven will release them upon you mm-hmm. in the mighty name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Your dreams, your dreams from God will come true mm-hmm. and God will fulfill all the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. So shall he be in keeping with his promise in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Amen. Spirit. In Jesus' holy and anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen and amen and amen and amen.